Hello. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm great, Dan. How are you? Pretty good. Pretty good. We're trying it at a new a new time for us. Yes. And yeah, how are you feeling about it? Yeah, I'm feeling fine. So strong. are you? I feel I feel good. I, I don't actually I have first. that strong a feeling about what time it is, but it, it's a good time. I have how was your strong, lunch? I have very strong feelings because uh, <clears throat> I, I got to eat lunch first, and that's good because usually by the end of the show, I'm I'm dying, starving. Uh, so today, I have the luxury of having eaten. I think we could do a three to four hour show. I feel like. I feel like you want me to ask about lunch. You've been bringing up lunch a lot in the last few weeks. What is the deal with you and lunch? I I, I don't think there is one. Okay. It seems like you've gotten very specific about when you need to eat lunch. Is it, are you, are you on a new practice? Well, I'm trying not to let it, I'm trying not to let it go. And I, I would find, and maybe this is a work habits topic. I don't know. Make it a topic. Make it a topic. But, you know, I very much would get into that mode, especially you know, as I'm in kind of like a heads down kind of creating, writing, coding mode of things, I find that I've slipped into that old habit that I've had for so many years where when I get focused on something, I'll look at the clock and I'll be like, okay, it's 10, 10 o'clock, 10 a.m. That's fine. I don't, you know, I don't have anything to do and I can start focusing. Then I'll look up, okay, it's 11. And then you do it again. No, it's 12. I should probably think about putting food in here and mm. and and i but i just can't stop right now because like i just gotta get this one feature done or i just yeah i'll just do one more paragraph or whatever the thing is that i'm working on right mm-hmm. and i won't want to move on to that next part where you're like i'm done now i'm going to take a break i'm making myself be at a stopping point it feels like well just i'll just get one more thing done well i got that one done i'll just i'll just do one more or let me just figure this one thing out. Or I'm waiting for this. I am from this guy who's going to tell me that the, the DNS is done or whatever it is. And like it, you make a million excuses. And then by the time that you actually do go to take that break or to eat or whatever it is, you've waited too long. And now you're in that. Oh, my God, I feel totally sick. I shouldn't have let myself go this long. And then like you wind up screwing your your productivity. You feel weird. I don't know. Is that just me? Is that all me? Yeah. Yeah, just okay. you. Okay. No, I do the same thing. I, I forget to eat until like three o'clock, Ugh. and by which we're pushed, but which time we're pushing into dinner, and that messes things up. <clears throat> I knew I was going to have to be doing stuff all day, so uh, I had Postmates uh, bring me McDonald's breakfast this morning. <laughs> so that's what I ate. Yeah, yeah, it's all paleo. Not, yeah, no, I figured, I figured it would. <laughs> yep, I had some, I had some heritage uh, duck. And some artisanal jerky, uh-huh. and uh, it was real good. It was real good. It was a total of about uh, forty-five calories. I like to have very small portions. Have a little bit of astronaut ice cream. Uh, wash it down with some uh, undistilled water. <laughs> you ever noticed? You ever notice, Mandrake, that I that I only drink vodka and rainwater? <laughs> um, it's a good week. It's a big week. Uh, I'm glad you've eaten. That's that's a good thing. Uh, yeah, I get weird if I don't eat. I need to remember to eat. And sometimes, you know, putting those. Um, Speed bumps or those blocks in your day can be a really smart thing because that's you know that's the beginning of a habit too. It's a good thing. The hard part, I guess, for me is that when there's no exterior or external rather force that's out there that's saying you you need to stop and you need to go do this. It's not like I have a lunch appointment with someone or a doctor's appointment to get to or whatever. Like the only true hard stop I have is at you know whatever five thirty when I got to be home. For dinner. So other than that, 
it's super easy to just procrastinate or not, the opposite of procrastinate, just keep working and working nonstop, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I agree. And it's, it kind of goes to a point we've been talking about the last couple of weeks of, you know, <clears throat> when you're trying to figure out how to spend your time, um, when you're trying to figure out how to like, what are the big things you have to do? And the thing is, if you only ever account for the things that you have to do, it's difficult to grow. I mean, just in the sense that like, if you only do stuff that you have to do in life, then you all you really do is wait for opportunities to find out what else you have to do. Yeah. If you let everything else that's optional slide off your plate, it's difficult to grow, especially creatively. And I mean, I'll, I'll even say professionally, right? So like if you start out a job as like, I don't know, a bookkeeper or you start out as an office, maybe not an office manager, but like you've got some kind of an administrative role, like, you know, if, if you want to move up as an, as an administrator, you're going to have to be open to doing stuff you don't have to do better than it needs to be done. And to, you know, to achieve. <laughs> like a better word. <laughs> yeah. Are you employed, sir? Um, but I, I think that's, that's, you know, the trouble is, though, like when you're feeling uh, busy or stressed out or, as I like to say, time constrained, you do find yourself looking for things that you can drop. And sometimes things like eating and sleeping end up, you know, ends up being what you drop. I had a strange night the other night <clears throat> where I realized that, like, I get tired I get a first wave of tiredness sometime between like, it could be as early as six, but usually it's like 7.30 oh, to yeah, 8. Yeah. I get a wave of like, if I went and lay down right now, I would fall asleep. And I know if I do that at six or 6.30, that's a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. But I had a funny thing the other night where, you know, we're still kind of, you know, struggling a little bit with bedtime stuff because my daughter was up so late um, over over Christmas and then again over, you know, Martin Luther King holiday. And like, it's it's we're getting to where like, She's got so much school. She's got so much homework. She doesn't get that much time to just be a kid and make a Lego. And then we end up pushing things later. But we finally got her to bed like 8 or 8.30 uh, the other night. <clears throat> I'm so sorry. And um, I remember it was 8.42. My wife was sitting there watching Sensate. And I was like, um, I'm going to go to bed. She's like, what? Because huh? like, <laughs> I, I can tell you. I mean, I run the uh, underscore David Smith app. I know that I rarely go to bed before 11. Right. which is not good for me because I rarely sleep past seven. I rarely get to sleep solid past seven. Even on my own, I rarely sleep past four or five deeply. Mm. So I know I shouldn't be going to bed. It was like 8.42 and I was like, well, deal me out. Like, you're gonna have to finish this sensate without me. And I had absolutely no trouble falling asleep. And I slept for, I didn't sleep, but I was in bed for 10 hours. Wow. It was completely bananas. And it's weird. But it you, you, wonder, you didn't like, sleep very much of the 10? Well, no, if I, I don't want to say I slept 10 hours because I didn't like sleep the sleep of the dead that one sleeps when one is 10. Yeah. Like when you're a little kid and you go to sleep, when my daughter goes to sleep, my daughter is awake or asleep and there's nothing in between. She has a little, she's a little slow waking up, but like if she goes to bed, like she, you know, Harry Potter is done. Reading Harry Potter is done. Listening to Harry Potter on the iPad has begun. It's time to start winding down. She reads some Diary of a Wimpy Kid to fall asleep. Uh-huh. And she's read them all. They're terrible. Uh-huh. And God bless her for reading. Uh-huh. A lot of sass mouth, but she's, uh, she'll read herself to sleep. And, uh, by, you know, whatever time, 15 minutes after reading time is over, she's asleep and, uh, she stays asleep. She might get up to drop a tinky uh, in the middle of the night, but that's about it. Yeah. That's probably enough of that. But, uh, (laughs) not me. Like my problem is like when I get my first big wake up at like four, I don't sleep super well after I wake up in the night is my problem. Um, but yeah, I slept. It was, it was, yeah, it was a long sleep. And that that but, seems like it, 
the kind of thing that I was never very good at, like that getting that long, big block of sleep. My friends always used to tell me, oh, yeah, I slept so late on Sunday. I wasn't up till one. I'm like, I've never done that in my whole. I've wanted to so much. I want to do that. I want to do that, but in a, in a in a way that just feels healthy and restful and nice. I think I remember one time in high school when I was able to sleep till like 11 on a Sunday. One that's time. it? Yeah. And I think that's the, the most I've ever done. I have this very, very strong internal clock that will wake me and, and, and does everything it can to keep me on a regular schedule, even if I fight it. And I, I don't have much in my life, much success really moving that schedule and, and changing it in any meaningful way from what it wants to be to what I want it to be. And I remember so vividly my parents' frustration about this. And I remember at age four how on the weekends they'd say, Danny, please, please don't wake us up. I'd be like, well, what am I supposed to do? Like, just stay in your room and play. Oh my God. My, like, my kid, my kid cannot get that concept. I can, well, I can't, I can't, I couldn't either, I guess. And so what they would do, I remember this so well, is that they would have, the, you know, we only had, I guess, four or six TV channels, and they would put it on the channel that uh, Ultraman and then Speed Racer would come on. And I remember I would wake up early in the morning, and I would go downstairs, and I would turn the TV on, and it would always have the art. Do you remember the TV show, The Archies? Mm-hmm. So I would turn it on, and it would be like the tail end of that that thing started at 5.30. So, I mean... They had, a, they, they had a dog in their band. I think they... I don't know what they had. They had a sheepdog in their band. Really? And Jughead. <laughs> I don't even remember it. I hated it. I just wanted it to end so that Ultraman would come on. But that's when I was waking up. And, I mean, my parents... And that, that's kind of how it's been my whole life. Like, that 6 a.m. time. Even if I go to bed at 1 or 2, like, 6 a.m. is when my body wants to wake up. And... I've just, I've had to learn to kind of adapt to that and, and roll with it. And I get to be like the really fun guy who's like, well, 10 o'clock, I'm out of here. <laughs> like, what are you talking about? I'm like, yeah, I got to wake up at six. Like, why? Because that's when I'm going to wake up, you know? And uh, I, that sucks. It sucks. I should correct myself. Um, hot Dog, the name of the sheet, the hot, hot Dog actually <laughs> conducted the band. Really? Yeah. So Archie, Archie's playing guitar. Veronica is on the keys. Maybe looks like an organ. Uh, you get Jughead uh, on the traps. Uh, Betty, mm, Betty, oh. Betty's playing a tambourine, and then uh, Reggie is uh, also playing a guitar. Nice. Maybe, maybe Veronica's holding down the low end. She's playing the bass. She's doing like a Ray Manzarek with her left hand. <laughs> you know what I mean? You ever do a Ray Manzarek with your left hand? I don't. I don't recall doing that. Doors didn't have a bass player. They had Ray Manzarek's left hand. Well, he, they don't. You don't. You know, if you got someone who's good enough on keyboards to carry it, then yeah, not not a big Doors fan, but uh, he had a good left hand. I love the Doors. Yeah, a lot of people do. A lot of people what do. What puts you off from it? Doors. The, do- the whole, there's the sound the whole or concept. Jim Morrison. And- Just I like doors it less now than I did in high school when I was reading the Bachman books. Bachman. Bachman books. Bachman. Is, that the, is that the guy with the seagull? The Bachman books was uh, a series of short stories or novellas written by Stephen King under a pen name Richard Bachman. Oh. And one of them was essentially a reta- his own retelling of Catcher in the Rye which I forget the name of it. Uh, B- Bachman in the Rye. Bachman in the Rye. When you meet a Bachman coming through the Rye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hot, Hot Dog conducted the band. Hot Dog. I wonder, I wonder if he sought 
did they like they if they encouraged him to be the leader or if he just kind of took over if there was like a coup de dog where he just came in and decided <laughs> remember he'd stand in front of the bass drum and conduct i don't you know yeah, i don't i just wanted that show to end really and ultraman like, and he had a spoon right didn't he have a spoon that made him turn into ultraman he had a a little uh, metal cylindrical device and he would say shoo watch and oh, it would transform him into ultraman and uh like like a little vibrator hello uh was there wasn't a spoon no uh, there's nothing like a spoon it's just a japanese cylinder uh, yeah i mean i don't know i think they there was a name for it uh-huh i'm sure i could I'll look that up but there, there have been lots of other ultraman since the one that but were you an ultraman fan as a boy yes i was but i think i've told you the story before wxix did a purge Circa 72, 73, 74, where they took off all their, what they perceived as their, I don't know why this happened, if it was the station, if it was the city, what caused it, but they took off all of the stuff they regarded as being too violent. So we lost Ultraman, uh. and we lo- I think we might have lost Speed Racer, and I know we lost Pro Wrestling for a while. <sighs> yeah. There's a lot of violence in the 70s, Dan. There was, there was. You got, you got, you got Vietnam. You got Biafra. <laughs> mm-hmm. You got, you got uh, Ultraman. <laughs> Biafra, yeah. That was no good. No. Cambodia, Cambodia, pro wrestling, Kissinger. Um, you're hitting all the main, uh, the main points. Wh- whip inflation now. You got uh, David Suskind, D- uh, David Frost. Huh. Uh, did I say Ultraman already? Yes. Yeah. Hayata. But there's you, you had say, you what had did he say Chung Chung? What, what was it he said? Shuach. Shuacha. And uh they was the he was a member of the Science Patrol who were a lot of the time it seemed like they were the stars of the show in a way, which I didn't ever care for. I just wanted to see the battle. It was like a proto like what would later I mean, it's so funny because I can't it's hard for me to know because I haven't followed the evolution of all these Japanese, you know, meme characters. But was was what Ultraman did and there's so many ultra persons out there. There are now was it yeah. sort of a predecessor, a precursor to like the Power Rangers, do you think? I think it is an a, a certainly in that lineage, it's an ancestor. Oh, and I, I it was called the beta capsule was the name of the little spoon. Oh, the beta capsule. Yeah. But I think it was in the con the whole concept of here's a, a group of people or a person who's transforms into something with powers to battle a monster. I mean, the format is very similar. You got to admit, but I have, I would like to warn our listeners against going and watching the original Ultraman series. Now it's not, it does not hold up. It's still mm. fun, but it's, it can be in some cases almost painful to watch. And if your kids are any like, like, like mine, they don't want to watch it at all. They love He-Man and Thundercats. But I can't get him to watch Ultraman. Is that on Hulu? Yeah, I don't know where you can get it other than buying the DVD on Amazon. Boy, there's some obscure stuff on Hulu if you dig around. They got all those. They got a, they got a ton of those. Uh, what's those uh, movies Moises likes? Uh, Criterion. They got a ton oh, of Criterion movies yeah. on there, kind of hidden away. A lot of Gordon Ramsay and, uh, and tons of old like Adam 12 and stuff like that you can watch. Pretty weird. Yeah, I don't I don't. I don't have enough time, unfortunately, and I feel like anybody who can dig in and enjoy that stuff should should do it on my behalf. And I will live wow, vicariously. Wow! 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 That was that was really something. Yeah. Vol- <laughs> Voltron, the uh, chat room. My goodness, Dan. Yeah. Well, mm, that's fine for everyone. Hot I lo- dog. I love is his name. Hot dog. 
Hot dog. Um, let's see. I went through the uh, the email this morning and uh, lots of interesting uh, topics. Okay, we should get a couple things out of the way. Um, I, 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 I kind of, I didn't even ask you before I gave you the homework of watching the Stuart Lee show. I should have asked if you're interested in watching that. I know you're very busy and that's fine for other people. It sounds like you haven't seen the Stuart Lee program yet. Not yet. It's, it's still there on my, on my list of things. I would so like we may temporarily or permanently put that aside. All I'm going to tell you, the listeners is, um, I'm still going to recommend uh, Stuart Lee's Comedy Vehicle, especially that first episode as a way to get started. And since then, I have uh, discovered some of his, his stand-up specials. Wow. It is, it is really special. It is, it's, uh, it's really, really something. So hopefully we can talk about that at some point. But um, I, I feel badly that I, that I gave you homework and then kind of pulled an expectation on you. Um, I don't like to do that. To no, people. no, I wouldn't have minded it at, at, at all. This has just been a particularly challenging week for me. You, you got to remember to eat. It's the eating. It's there's been changes in the whole schedule. Everything is completely different in every regard for me. What the, the what does that mean? Week, what so. changed? My goodness. No, it's so you, it's it's a lot of uh, it's a lot of changes. Everything from you know trying to get I you know I I feel like I've. Uh, for a while, been kind of uh, burning the candle at both ends for maybe too long mm-hmm. and trying very hard to kind of adjust that in a way that is more consistent to create a schedule for myself that makes more sense, that's more balanced. Um, and and so there have been a lot of things I've been trying to change and it I still haven't really made sense of it all and I'm trying to like restructure my, my days and when I get to work and when I leave and what I do while I'm there and how I maximize my time and how I make sure to leave enough time for eating and, and also enough time for home stuff. And basically pretty much every aspect is having to, I'm having to cut things out of it that are things the way that I might want them for the way that I think things should be to to be more of a healthy balance and this is super interesting well it's very hard it's hard for me because i'm the type of person who i take a lot of enjoyment in in the work that i do and i realize that like if you hate your job or even if you're just me you know lukewarm about your job you have these things that you want to do where you know like work, work ends like there's there's people on this floor here as an example in this building that at five Oh one, there is a mass exodus from of about 20 to 50 people all at the same time, all talking and laughing and what, and like five Oh one, you know, it's five Oh one because the herd of people is, is leaving their shift is over. They're done for the day. You know, no one's leaving at five Oh five, you know, that door at five o'clock that they're standing up by five Oh one. They're in the hall at the elevator. Right. And, I certainly don't have that separation. And I think a big part of it, you know, even back in the days when I did work for other people, uh, it was very much, uh, you know, there was a, I always had a lot of time that was expected out of me to, to devote to the company or to what I was doing. So I never really felt like I was like, oh, clock out, it's six, I'm out, or five, I'm out, or whatever. It was always like, I'll leave when I'm done. And when I'm doing something for myself, especially when it's tied to my own ability to make money or provide income or earn, uh, that 
I will be inclined to work very hard on that. Now, I also like a lot of the stuff that I do. So it's, it's that interesting mix of like that feeling you have when it's late at night and you know that you should go to bed and you're tired, but you really want to watch another episode of Lost or whatever the thing is that you're binging, or you really want to read another chapter of, of your book, or you want to just beat one more level of the uh, PlayStation game you're playing or whatever it is that keeps you procrastinating and keeps you from stopping when your better judgment is telling you to stop. Add to that the sense of, you know, determination or responsibility or goals that I've set for myself around the thing that I'm working on. And it's this completely other situation where here I'm working too hard and too long on something at the expense of the other things that I should be working on and or my personal life uh, that, it you know, I get caught up into this into this sort of zone uh, that I've been in for too long. So I'm just I'm trying to rejigger everything and i find that the um, the sacrifices that i make are of course uh, i'm not always happy with the fact that i can't spend time on the things that i might want to do time in a bottle you know hmm that sounds like it's difficult yes but but not doing it is difficulter well not doing it or just sort of letting letting those things determine how and uh, where i spend my time hasn't hasn't been a very good thing i think for me like physically you know what i mean like i've been i've been right you know treating myself as if i was 25 instead of you know 43 mm-hmm. and the the body doesn't always keep up with the mind i guess at some point i don't find either of them keep up with each other <laughs> each one's worse than the last <laughs> yeah well, that sounds like an interesting project. I'd love to, uh, if you, in as much as you ever want to talk about that, it'd be fun to come back to that. Yeah, I definitely do. And it's, it's a, it's a learning process, you know, like I'm, I'm trying to do things that I wasn't doing before. Like for example, um, I mean, is this boring or people, do people care? I mean, it's a little boring. It's interesting to me. Okay. No, uh, I, I think it's, I think it's interesting and I'm trying to do a similar thing. You know, CGP Gray was talking about this on Cortex this week about, uh, this is going to be, he's trying to make, he has, he doesn't believe in resolutions, but he leaves, believes in having a theme, which I think is an interesting idea. And he, he described it as this being a year of less, which I think is an, a very interesting idea. A like, year of less. Well, yeah, you can, um, you can interpret that in any way that you like, but I mean, I'll toss out a few. It could be less busyness would be one good one. Right. Um, the reason the reason I'm a little late today is I was just recording uh, the top top scallop show I do with oh, Max nice. and Alex and talking we're actually talking about an episode of this show oh god this is it's shows all the way down we're <laughs> talking about that idea of like time constraint versus uh, busyness and like how you know when you get busy we already covered this but I think this is germane uh, busyness becomes like a, a one bit decision where you go from however things are to like shut it all down I've realized that I'm busy I have now flipped the busy bit and like once you flip the busy bit. Like you give yourself permission to be a crazy person or you start basically in your situation, perhaps I'm not saying this is you, but you know, if you get into a situation where you're doing, doing way more, you have way more pieces than you'd like on the table. Let's put it that way. Mm -hmm. It's harder and harder to maintain all of those things. If you have two or three things that you do, like most people have at least two or three things that they do, you know, could be like family and home stuff. There's work stuff. There's like an activity. There's usually a third place in our life, Starbucks or otherwise. But like the problem is like when that, when all of those start to expand a little bit, you can put up with it for a little while. Like over the holidays, we're all probably doing more things than we'd like. We're spending more money than we would like. We are working on the margins of time and attention mm-hmm. in a way that we couldn't year round. It would not be sustainable. You can't eat that much. You can't spend that much. You can't be awake that much. And so you only do that for a little while. 
in my case, with this year, I was like kind of crashing into 2016 where I'm like, ah, less is good. Yeah. So less could be less busy. Less could mean buying fewer things or buying things in a more mindful way. You know, it's just, it's a way of saying like, you know, kind of how do I level my resources, as we would say in project management, to be putting things where it's effective so that I can, in my case, like I want to create more times where I have a day during the work week where I don't have to do anything. Right, right. That's, uh, and I'm, you know what? I'm okay with that. I know that sounds lazy, but like, you know, to have a day no, where wait, I can why, do wait a stuff. Why do you feel that that sounds lazy? I think that's an amazing goal to have. Yeah, but it's a classic. That's fine for Merlin is the thing. It's all great that Mer- you know, Merlin can do that. But, um, but like, for example, this morning, I can tell from my underscore David Smith uh, Sleep Plus Plus app <laughs> um, that I woke up at 648. And I can tell you how I woke up at 648 was that my wife came into the bedroom and said, oh, all the lights are off in the kitchen. So if the lights are off in the kitchen, that means the microwave doesn't work. The oh. coffee making machine doesn't work. Uh, microwave, the refrigerator is out. The lights in the dining room are out and the overhead light in the lounge is out. They're all out, 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 out because we blew a fuse. And guess what? I don't have another fuse. Ooh. So I'm a ding-a-ling. I'm, I'm now at 648. I'm, <laughs> I'm this guy with a flashlight. Going, <laughs> There's got to be a fuse here somewhere. And now I'm not mad at me. I'm not, I'm not mad at her, but I'm like mad at her for noticing my incompetence. You know, the feeling of being a man and having someone notice you're incompetent. Uh, it's not fun. No. I mean, it's kind of my life. It's, it's a kind of ongoing existential cuckolding that I live with. And so I'm going, looking all through the house. I'm shining the light around like a ding-a-ling. And I realize we don't, we don't have any fuses. Mm. So I have to go to the hardware store that opens at 7.30. So I get to the hardware store that opens at 7.30. Turns out they actually open at 8. Not a big deal. Great place. But I get the fuses. I come back. But like, you know, that was an interesting way to start the day. You know, that, that's the kind of thing when we talk about like having the capacity to deal with things. It's like if everything, if you run your schedule so that everything stops and ends at exactly a certain point. The reason those people are leaving at 501 is because they can leave at 501. Right. It's not because they have to leave at 501. And they it's nice, it's it's excellent. It's a great life thing to have a job where you can leave at a certain time and nobody's allowed to give you the stink eye. Right. But if we all run up to the edges, if we're constantly running just shy, like like John talked about during the election, John Roderick, mm-hmm. if you don't refill your reservoir, right. whether that's in his case he called it the, the emotional reservoir, you don't refill uh, if you don't have time to reflect on what it is that you're doing, if you don't have time to just go not have to do anything for a certain amount of time, like I don't think it's surprising that you feel a little bit stressed out all the time because that's the nature of what you're doing. If you're scheduling yourself right up to the rim all the time, if you're a person in your 30s or 40s scheduling yourself right up to the rim all the time, I don't know if that's always sustainable. Take there it from me. Ways, it is, it's not sustainable. It's It's bad. Because if you schedule yourself... It's like, you know, like my old analogy I, I stole from, um, from what's his head, from Joel Spolsky. You know, if you, if you put all of these blocks in the box, right? So if you think of all the things you want to do, choose to do, have to do, all the things you have some level of commitment to, you've got a box that's a certain fixed size in terms of cubic inches. If you walk around with that box 80% full, if you start every Monday morning and end every Friday afternoon with that box 80% full, some dumb stuff is going to happen. One of those things is you do not have room for another big block mm-hmm. without getting rid of some of those blocks. You're also, in the fullness of time, going to start to feel a heaviness because that how many of those blocks have you actually gone back and looked at? Because you're maybe it's in the same way that you would move boxes around from college that you never open, which I have done. So I guess I'm sorry, I'm going on at length here, but I, I'm sympathetic to what you're talking about. And I'm, I'm working on something somewhat similar where I want to work a lot, a lot more 
at this one kind of thing. I'm ready to be a little bit more exhausted at a certain kind of working. That's not actually that difficult. I'm ready to do more of that. But I also then when I want to have, I want to have a green field over here for the times that I'm not doing that. And, you know, I find that very challenging. For some reason, I don't know what happens. This is not just you, but it's everybody in my life. At some point, everybody gets, must get some notification on their phone that I've left work and I'm now doing something with my daughter, like last night, <laughs> making meatballs. I'm making meatballs. My daughter and I are wrist deep in, in pork, beef, and Parmesan cheese. And suddenly my phone is blowing up oh, with man. all these people who have something to ask me. I don't know why that happens, but like it does. Like, well, there is an app whining. that we're using for that, you know. <laughs> blow up Merlin's notifications. Yeah, it's it's uh it's you gotta sideload it, but anyway, I'm not sure what the point is, except to say I, I honor that because first again, always with me, starting by realizing that it's something you want to get better at is a huge step. Realizing like I don't want to live like this all the time. Because again, you're walking around with that box. Like, is it making you happy to have that box 80%? Well, I have to have it that way. Well, do you really know that you have to have, do you know that you have to have it that way? Or is it something you've just believed for so long that you've decided that that's your yoke in life is, is to like, is to uh, have to do that? So I don't know. I honor that. Gosh, I, I just think there's so many aspects to this. And it seems like when you become responsible for other people's, time is like i'm talking about family kids things like that it adds such a new level because like it, like for example in the in the morning you know like my kid has to be at school at a certain time and i'm i'm the only human being really who can get him there and so for a while i was kind of letting that dictate the start of my day you know that if i had to have him to school at 7:30 well what that meant was that I had to get ready for work and be ready for work and be walking out the door so that I could take him to school and then I would then I would go to my office. And this seems like it would make the most sense because his school is close to our home but even closer to my office and it seemed silly to you know we drive here in Texas so you know it's it's a, it's a 10 15 minute drive. So I would drive him to school, take him to school, drop him off, and then continue the next seven minutes to work. That made sense. And after doing it for this pretty much this whole year at this school, I realized that it it's an abomination. It's horrible. It couldn't possibly be, be a, a more terrible thing for me based on the schedule that I have and the hours that, that I keep and the sleep schedule that works for me on other levels trying to shift my sleep schedule, trying to get enough done after I get home, all of these little details that are too painful to just kind of list out. I just said, you know what? I have to try something else because I found that these the mornings for me had become such an incredibly stressful, almost painful time. So that instead of enjoying the time that I would spend uh, with my boy and, you know, have a nice goodbye with my wife and my little girl, Instead of enjoying that, instead of having a nice drive with him, instead of having sending him off, you know, from his standpoint, I think it was fine. But from mine, it was incredibly stressful and unpleasant, and I hated it. And that's not good, right? Like, yet that, hey, maybe I can do something different. And when I gave up the notion that, uh, that 
you know, that I could, I had to also go in after that, that what, what, what would it be like to drive him to school and then go back home and do something else before going to work? Like, what if instead I woke up 20, 15 or 20 minutes before I needed to leave with him, go downstairs, say good morning to everybody, help him get set up in the car, everything else, take him to school and then come back home and then do some, do some things there. Well, I would lose an hour or so at work, wouldn't I? You know, like I would uh, maybe. And it feels, it feels wrong. It felt wrong, but I'll tell you what, the stress is gone now. It's a much more relaxed morning. If, if they were insulated from the stress that I was feeling before, then good. But I think now they're benefiting from the lack of stress because now I get to come back home and I get to see my daughter a bit more and I get Mm -hmm. instead of just in the evening. And, you know, I get to be part of her little routine going to school now instead. And then I, you know, at the, I miss an hour out of my day. But then again, like I was at work from quarter to eight until, you know, six o'clock. And I came to this conclusion that, you know, maybe it's okay if instead if I'm there from like 830 or not, maybe if I'm there from like nine to six that still seems like a lot, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and, but it just, it went from the mornings where I could just feel the, the, the cuff around my arm, checking my blood pressure, it just popping right off. You know what I mean? Like I just, I didn't need that anymore. And, you know, and so like I've made this change and I'm better off for it, but I, I feel like, you know, now I'm driving more than I want to be driving and it's bad for the environment. And it seems silly to go, you know, basically back and forth twice. But it also clued me in as to why so many people that I see at the school are sort of wearing just like their sweatpants with a jacket over it because like, oh, they're getting their kid to school and they're going back home to get ready for their day. You know, like it never occurred to me. Like, do people go to work like in just sweatpants with like a leather jacket and a baseball hat backwards? Like that's how we we dress to go to work. No, they're smarter than me. (laughs) They're having a relaxed morning. That's what they're doing. But I don't know, like having to throw out these notions and these concepts that I had that things had to be a certain way. Like I I had to get ready for his school to be ready for my day too, because that's what I had to do. Like that's when I have to leave now. And it's been, you know, like as simple as it sounds, like it really took rethinking to make sense. Yeah. No, I don't think it's crazy at all. Um, I think uh, one way to look at this um, is... I don't know, there's this phrase that goes through my head a lot, which is that, you know, every minute weighs the same. Every minute costs the same. A minute is always a minute, and that's what makes it a minute. And so what's funny, though, is that I I feel like if I allow myself to slip into a certain mode of thinking, some minutes seem like the official minutes of life, Uh and then all those other minutes are just getting in my way. Right. And uh, that's not a healthy way to get and stay without becoming aware of it. And so I'll explain what I mean. For example, I think for most people, most adults who have jobs in America, especially who have what you might call a career, um, the big, the minutes that really count in your day is like, you need to be at that job and like ready to be cock of the walk at whatever time you need to be Uh at that job. Yeah. There's nothing, nothing wrong with that, but let's, let's start out with something as simple as that. If you're expected to be at your job and ready to be a productive citizen, at 8 a.m. and you get, you know, whatever, an hour for lunch and then you go home at five, however it works, however it works where you are. But that's pretty typical, uh, eight to five with an hour for lunch. Uh, it's it's not difficult for basically that to become 
the center of your life yeah. in a variety of different analogies. So basically, it's the center of your life because that's the gating factor for your day for most of the rest of your life is yeah. needing to be at that place at a certain time. Again, no value, but just roll with me. The other way that it becomes like the center of your life, it's, it's almost like a carousel where everything revolves around that. So that's the center of your life in that there may be other stuff you do, but you're always going to end up back at the center, which is, which is that job. Um, and then in other ways, in terms of your attention, where like even when you're not on that particular carousel, it's the center in that you're, you're probably still thinking kind of about work at night. Yeah. You're thinking about what you have to do tomorrow, the night before, because you got to get your stuff ready. Do you have laundry? Do you have dry cleaning? Is there gas in the car? Yes, there's gas in the car. There's all those things to think about. What do you have to do in the morning? Well, you know, it would be nice to spend some time with my kids. It would be nice to have like a non-rush breakfast. Uh, But here's where the dependencies come in. If we don't get on the road by 640, whatever, this is arbitrary. If we don't get on the road by 640 to account for traffic, we're not going to be able to get you to school before announcements. If we're not there by announcements, you're going to be late. We're all going to feel bad. We got to get you a note. Um, And then that's also then going to make me late getting to work, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So just taking it as read that like in in this unofficial, in this way that we tend to think about life, there are the official things and the unofficial things. You can even take this into your social life. Okay, there's a going away party for this person that's exactly two hours long. We're not going to see them after this. We went to a going away party for some friends who are moving back to Australia this weekend. Uh, that was an open house format. It was really fun. There was a lot of beer. But let's say it's a going away party for somebody. If you're not there at six o'clock, you're late for their going away party. Yeah. You're not going to see them again. You kind of look like a dick. So now everything you do before that becomes, that's the real event. This thing you haven't even gotten to yet is the real event. And everything else can be sacrificed. So whether that's going to that party, getting to work, once you have classify the official things and then the kind of ancillary things in your life, you start making these really weird decisions. First of all, you give yourself utter permission to not simply not enjoy that time. Mm. Like you're not supposed to enjoy that time. You're supposed to be using that time to be stressed out about how you're not where you need to be yet and how everybody's in your way. (laughs) Right. So, I mean, everybody's got their own constraints for these things, but like, even if you choose to be somebody who is still very, uh, organized and on time and all of those kinds of things. Remember that every minute costs the same. Every minute weighs the same. So there's that nine hours that you're at that in the work, the center of your world, this workspace. But then there's that whole rest of your life when you're not there. Like, are you utilizing that time in non-stressful, productive, creative, and loving ways? Yeah. Because if you're not careful, I have discovered everything can turn into an ongoing roiling annoyance because you're either thinking about what's not done at that thing or you think about what needs to get done at that thing. And like your life can suddenly feel somewhat empty if you're not clued to how much you're treating those moments at home or in transit or any, as, as like annoyance minutes right. where you're just not getting to the thing that's what you mainly do. Because you know what? Those are all your life. And it doesn't mean every minute of your life has to be a happy time when you get to sit around and like, you know, sniff ducks and uh, pick flowers. <laughs> but like, it does mean that you should be somewhat aware that like, you only get so many mornings with a kid. You only get so many mornings with your spouse or somebody that you love. Right. You only get so many mornings to hear Bob Edwards on NPR before he's not on there anymore. Right. Yes. This yes. is not to make you sad, but it is to make you aware that like, even if you choose to put all a huge amount of your focus into this one thing. Like, be careful because now you have invested so much more than your time in that place. You start to invest your identity in that and you start to invest – you start to really 
spend past your limits on how much of your attention you're willing to put into that thing to where even when you don't have to be thinking about or dealing with that place, you've chosen to tear yourself apart because you're not doing it right. So my only thought, I support what you're saying. I'm working for similar things. I'm just saying, even if you can't make a giant change tomorrow and decide to have coffee instead of go to work, just keep in mind that all those minutes cost the same. All those minutes weigh the same. Hmm. You know, you, you mentioned, oh, I should tell you about something I like. Yeah. But I want to, I want to dive back into talking with you a little bit about that, about identity and about how we kind of define ourselves and our identity by what we do every day. So let me, before we do that, something Dan likes, something he likes, it's this, (laughs) it's MailRoute. Uh, MailRoute's awesome. You know, we, we often talk on this show about email and I've, you've helped me so many times kind of get control over my email situation. And a big part of that was eliminating email that that doesn't make sense, eliminating email that I was getting that was just generating more work. And a lot of that is, yes, it's human beings who want to reach out and contact you and tell you something or ask you something. And it's your decision of, do I want to, and how do I want to give them that time back? You know, just because someone emails you doesn't mean you have to devote your time uh, to respond to them. It might be nice to do it, but should you do that? That's a different topic. Because a lot of what we get in our inboxes is, is, is just garbage. It's just spam. It's, it's uh, you know, and if you're a, a Windows user, you have a very real concern that you might open up an email and it's going to eat your operating system. You're going to get a virus or something else. All of this can be handled and it can be handled in the most elegant way I've ever seen with MailRoute. And basically, the, the way that this works is you add a, uh, a, in DNS, you add what's called an MX record, a mail exchange record. And basically all you're doing is you're inserting a line that says, send all the email for our domain to, to MailRoute instead of just sending it to our server. That server, by the way, could be Google if you're using uh, Google Apps or something like that. It could be your corporate server. It could be your own private server on Mac Mini Colo, wherever, wherever it is, whatever it is. You just put the line in there that sends it to MailRoute first. And then MailRoute handles everything else. They remove all of the spam, they remove all the viruses, they remove everything, and they do it better than any other system that I've ever tried, and I've tried pretty much all of them. Uh, apparently, this there was this other one from McAfee called MX Logic. It just went out of business. They just uh, sunset it for whatever reason. Well, MailRoute is here for those people and everyone else. They have a really cool thing, a 30-day Free trial, go to MailRoute, M-A-I-L, MailRoute.net slash B2W, and going there will support the show. Listeners are going to get 10% off the lifetime of their account if they go there, and just go and give it a shot. Try it out. They've been working on email protection since 97. They know what they're doing, and you don't have to reconfigure your clients. You don't have to reconfigure your iOS apps. You don't have to do anything. It just, you insert it, you tell it how aggressive you want it to be with the protection of, uh, of your email and it, it just goes to work for you. So go check them out. And we really appreciate their support of this show. MailRoute.net slash B2W. Thanks very much to them for supporting Back to Work. Buck, buck. Dude. Dude, breaking sad news. What? <sighs> no. Ava Goda passed. Are you serious? Yeah. This is so crazy. I was just on uh, the talk show with Gruber talking about The Godfather. 
and talking about like how much, you know, I love Abe Vigoda as Tessio. Yeah. Yeah, Abe Vigoda. Look at that. You're right. Isn't that sad? That is sad. 94 years old. And well, he just texted me a statement from his daughter. Vigoda's daughter, Carol, uh, told the Associated Press that Vigoda died Tuesday morning in his sleep at her home in Woodland Park. The cause of death was old age. The man was never sick. Wow. His daughter said. Well, thank you, Fish. Thank you, Tessio. Unfortunately, Tom can't help you out this time, even for old time's sake. <laughs> oh, man. He was such a good sport. Was, was it on, um, was it on uh, Conan O'Brien that kept doing the bit about whether Ava Goda was dead? Yeah, and there isn't there... Um, a, the website's getting slammed right now. Is, is that? Yeah. <laughs> is Ava Goda dead? Yeah. Oh, anyway, I hate to be one of those public grievers. Oh, my God, you guys. You guys. Uh... We want to get back to, so, uh, Ident- identity. RIP, Abe Vigoda. Identity. Identity. Well, you know, I think there's a lot of people really do have that connection between the job that they have and their identity. Either it, it is or the, it is or should represent them as, a, as an entire human being, or it has nothing to do. With who they are as a human being. And I, I feel like it, there are these two extremes. I've been told from people who have either lived or spent some time like in the UK that it, it, and maybe it's changed, but I was always told that it's almost borderline sort of insulting to ask like, what do you do for a living upon meeting someone over there? Yeah. They, they always used to say in, in Europe, pe- uh, in America, people ask you what you do. Right. And in Europe, people ask you what you're doing. Fascinating. It's, a fa- it's fascinating. I don't know if it's true. I don't care if it's true. Uh, it should be a, a, a distinction because here, like you equals equals your job. Yeah. You see how I made a computer joke I there? I do. <laughs> I return comparison. No. But when when I think about that, I, I remember, you know, like when I was like, go back to high school and college, like these stupid retail jobs or restaurant jobs that I would have. And like, I I wouldn't leave my job at, you know, Babbage's software or at the KB toy store or the Dino's pizza. And like, like I'm like the guy that works and makes the subs at Dino's pizza. Like that's me. That's who I am. Why? It's, a, it's me, Daniel. It's me. <laughs> I never had a problem with it, but I didn't, that wasn't my identity. You know what I'm saying? Ladies, ladies, indeed. Free pizza. Yeah, uh, you're but- like, you, you, I mean, you like a little palm. I'm making this a palm for you. <laughs> that's no good boss. <laughs> None, none of the people that work there are even Italian. Hey, it doesn't matter. Anybody can talk like this, boss. <laughs> that's a no good. Ah, that's a good one. So I would, uh, you know, I would leave there and I'd be just done. Like, I'm done. I get off, I get off at, you know, nine o'clock at night. I'm done. Like, I don't think about that place until I come back the next day. And even then, I don't want to think about it. I'm just out of there. It's done. But there was a lot. Uh, there was a, a lot of sort of, you know, I'm doing this to get paid. Like when I was doing pizza delivery, like I wasn't like a pizza delivery guy. I was a kid in high school or college and I needed money to buy stuff that I wanted. And so I did that by driving a car, delivering pizzas. Like that was that was my job, but it wasn't my part of my identity. And then there's this shift, I think, that happens, especially when you are full time, right? You're full time now. You're working somewhere. You, your friends are now, instead of coming from your classes or your neighborhood, they are now coming from your workplace and your environment there that you're, you're going in every day and you're working 
every day. And now this becomes kind of part of your, and then before you realize it, you're like, oh, right. Like I'm the, the guy that does payroll and accounting. Like I'm the payroll guy now, you know? And I don't know, like when, and then all of a sudden, you know, like you change jobs and your identity is, is really changed or you, uh, you retire. And then, then what, then what happens if, if you've put your whole life into your job and your kids have gone off and living their own lives? And yeah, like, you have to go in and change your, your four noun Twitter bio. Right. But, yeah, don't you love the four noun Twitter bio? Yeah. Coder, <laughs> kayaker, father, person. <laughs> oh, shit. I got fired. Unem- unemployed. Uh-huh. Kayaker, father, person. But, you know, it occurs to me that somehow this is a way that we kind of put people that we know like into boxes as well. Like I was watching one of the uh, great American institutions, uh, the bachelor the other night. And you know, like there's, oh, there's like one, a one word summary of who, you know, Kirsten is. And underneath her name, it'll say nurse or marketing rep or unemployed. And it's so funny oh, to me. So weird. It's like they, they're summarizing who this person is, you know, in a single word, let alone four. You know, they're using one. And like, all right. So like if you're talking about that part, like I don't want to be so weird. You just go, this person <laughs> unemployed, unemployed. Here's what you need to know about this person. They don't have a job. <laughs> that is so right. Using a noun, using a noun to describe a person, it seems so sensible, but it's so dark. I know. Like, why don't we use adjectives or adverbs to describe people? I know. It's, it's this is this so is Jane. Strange. She's happy. <laughs> well, there's on this season of The Bachelor. There's uh, there are are twins. There's two women who are twins, and under their name, it will just say twin. And, oh god and i know the i know the emmy award-winning producer of the show and i texted him when i saw that i said i can't believe under her name it just says twin and he said yeah he said uh we had a long conversation about that one and i said really he said yeah we we debated on having uh the other one's byline say other twin Ooh, and Ooh, you know but worse. like it's it's just it's so funny because you have this this like notion of like I met this person and I'm going to now summarize this person in the one word or four words or whatever it is. And like, we're, we're almost conditioned to do that. We're almost conditioned to like, when we meet someone here anyway, we're, it's like, we're obligated to say, Oh, what do you, what do you do? Oh, I do this. Oh, what's that like? Oh, it's cool. What do you do? I do this. Is that neat? Yup. You know, like that's the conversation that's kind of supplanted the hot out today, isn't it? You know? (laughs) Yeah, at that party, a <laughs> funny thing happened. At that party the other night, the going away party for our, some friends that my kid goes to school with, um, my wife was uh, over talking to this dude, and I came over and I was talking to him. We're like, oh, we ended up just talking about, oh, God, it's funny. You remember Palm Pilots and wasn't that funny and Scuzzy 50 Cables? And <laughs> my wife's like, um, you know who that guy is? Because I'm usually, I'm usually the, the person in the room that nobody knows is a slightly famous. And I'm like, no, no, he's like, he's a, he's a writer. So I was like, what? And she said, here's his name. And I went and looked it up. And yeah, he's totally like a technology correspondent oh, that wow. I've read before. It was totally weird. But what a great experience. Like he didn't go, I, I didn't go, hey, you're that uh, tech douche from that one site. And he didn't go, hey, you're that tech douche from the uh, podcast. Like it didn't happen at all. It was delightful. It was so great. Because usually anytime there are, there are at least, anytime two or more penises are in a room, <laughs> careers will be discussed. Mm-hmm. And it's exhausting. 
because that's it. You want to be able to like, you know, I'm sorry, guys, I'm going to out all of you. Men want to get in particular, want to get to this place where they can have a noun about them that will impress people for absolutely no good reason. If you can tell, oh, you're an entrepreneur. Oh, my goodness. Oh, my, I just, my heart just skipped a beat. You start companies. That's fascinating. <laughs> So, like, you don't need to know anything about whether that person's good at what they do. You don't need to need to know if that person is nice to the waitress. You just need to know they're an entrepreneur. Yeah. Boy, that's everybody's happy now. That's so gross, and it's such a part of our culture. And boy, you think I'm, if I'm lying, I'm dying, guys. That is so true. In San Francisco, buddy, that is super duper true. Oh yeah. I bet it's true where you live. I bet you want to mention that you work for a place that's becoming more famous rather than you're working for a place that's becoming less famous. You know. And you you want you you hate to have to do things like have asterisks on describing like oh no I work for the paper but we're doing fine because so much of your let's say it Dan identity is tied up in who you are and like you're you're out there hustling and working hard at that place and you want to be somebody who's respected and ugh God what will you give up to be respected by strangers gross mm. but it, sorry but, I took I took you off your topic no no not at all I, this is totally the topic and I. I I don't know. You know, I, I, I feel like there's that, there's that place where we make that transition, but you know, thinking back to college, it's like, what's your major? You know what I mean? Like it's this, it's the same thing. Well, you just want to find out if it's poli sci or religions. So, you know, they're insane <laughs> and you just get away from them. <laughs> but I think I'm double majoring in poli sci and religion. I'm super healthy. Well, part of it though, doesn't it have to be, other than like avoiding people who have a real estate license or something, doesn't it have to be part of the conversation at least here to, to kind of determine like what is going to be, I've, I, I see you stranger and you see me and now we're going to be talking to each other maybe because we're at this thing where our kids are, you know, showing their art projects and we're going to be in here for another 45 minutes. Let's have a conversation Let's find some common ground. You know, I I noticed well, you were wearing a Miami Dolphins jersey. Maybe you like football. We can talk about that. You know, but sans the jersey, where do you start? Where do you start? You know. Well, yeah, in San Francisco, it's pretty easy with the with the sports stuff. Yeah. No, I mean, I'll do. I mean, if it's, it's a school event, you'll end up gossiping about school, but uh, or t- talking about the headlights. You know. Right. But, um. But. Uh, no, I will go way out of my way to avoid talking about stuff like that. Uh, I would much rather talk about Doctor Who, like anytime mm-hmm. or, or, or whatever. Like I would much rather talk about things we both, something we can find that we, we, we are both excited about in, in popular culture is, is my favorite thing to talk about. Like, I don't know. To me, it would be a busman's holiday. Like I, I get enough of people's naked, boring personalities on the internet every day. Let's talk about something fun. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. No, I'm sorry. That's unkind. But like, I, you know, I have to say this does feel like a dude thing. And, and it's probably true for women too. But like just men are just so insufferable about this because they have men in America have grown up in this culture of achievement and in this culture of like, you've got to go prove you're the alpha dog or whatever those dinglings call it. Like it's there's just this constant pressure to go out there. And like, go pee on every rug and feel great about it. And it's utterly exhausting to me. And it is kind of toxic masculinity that I think even if you don't choose to adopt it as part of your life, you can't help it be affected by it. Again, it's going to be one of those things. Like if you're if you're a woman, um, which about half of you probably are, uh, you're you're finding things that you've got to deal with whether you like it or not. You don't get to decide whether people are going to decide. You don't get to decide whether people get to evaluate you. 
based on your looks and your hair. Um, you don't get to be a non-combatant. You don't get to hold up like a yellow card and go, please, let's just not, not even please, like we're not going to talk about that. You don't yeah. get to do that. And I think that it's another one of these cultural pressures. Now, we can choose to be aware of that. We can choose to game that. We can choose to capitalize on that. We can choose to fly in the face of that. But what none of us can afford to do is act like that doesn't exist. Mm. So to me, and that's and if it feels like there's an implicit pushback I'm sensing, it's because I feel an implicit pushback all the time when you talk about these things. Because there will invariably be people who – understandably we'll say things like yeah well i've got to pay the mortgage and i've got to do this and I got you do you do got to do all of those things except kind of maybe sort of like you've got to do everything exactly the way you're doing it until you eventually realize you don't got to do it any particular way and that things are going to happen in your life that end up screwing up your whole plan <laughs> for how things are going to go yeah. and be prepared for that day because if it goes away i've been in this position where i've lost my job and felt like i did not have an identity anymore because that's who I was. I made this much money. I had access to these kinds of tools and I got exactly this much like aloha from the community because of this kind of work that I did. And like the thing is though, that's that's a costume you get to wear for a while. Like don't count on that thing being if you put all of your eggs into that basket and expect it to stay in exactly that arrangement and mm-hmm. never have any of those eggs break. Wow. I mean, then you're probably 22 because believe me, those eggs are going to break. Boy, what a karma suck thing to say. I guess, I guess, I guess what I'm trying to say is this. Uh, ideas don't have to hurt. Ideas shouldn't hurt. Imagination shouldn't hurt. Imagination can hurt if you end up creating a lot of demons to haunt yourself with. But uh, thinking about the way you'd like your life to be is not a crime. That is not a, that does not yet count as a thought crime in this country. <laughs> You're allowed to think about how you would like things to be different. And it does not, you are not being uh, disloyal to anyone in your life to allow yourself a moment's repose to think about how you might like things to be different. Because here's the thing, here's the here's spoiler, is that things are going to change, whether you like it or not. And no matter how much you're invested in the person you'd like to be right now and feeling like your end percentage toward becoming that person, getting acknowledged for that, that is zero insurance policy for what's going to happen in the future. So, you know, keeping a little bit of fungibility, at least in your imagination, can be one hedge against the future because you're open to the idea that things will change. And you probably won't be killed and you probably won't be destroyed, but you will change. You will become a different kind of person. And having some combination of strength, humility, and imagination can take you a long way when that day comes. And if you've already been thinking about it and making changes, well, then you're aloha. You're already further along. Mm -hmm. Is a thing. (sighs) Yeah. I like it. And it's, well, I mean, it's a lot, it's a lot to think about because a lot of the time I think this sneaks up on people, you know, a lot of the time I think it's, it's not until you lose a job, like, you know, both of us had the, the fortune of doing back in the dot com time period where we like had a thing that we were doing and like, we were this and we were part of this thing. And then you come back and like, wow, the whole company's gone now or something. And you like you really have to sit down and figure out what what it is that you're going to do and what it is that you're going to do next. And for me, there was always that kind of panic of like, oh, my God, like I got to figure that I don't have time to like figure stuff out. I need I have only have time to find the next job, you know, and I think so much of what I spent my early career doing was just going from one thing to another, always with the idea that, well, the next thing is, is going to be better, or that'll be the thing that I really like to do. 
you know, oh, I'm sick of IT. I don't want to do IT anymore. I want to write code or I don't want to write code anymore. I want to, you know, whatever. And it was kind of that shift going from one thing to the next thing because I, 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 I think part of it was I was trying to build my identity to myself through what I spent the bulk of my time doing in the day. Which you've got to do. I mean, to get, to get that phrase from AA, fake it till you make it. Yeah. I mean, you have to inhabit the sort of role that you'd like to eventually, if you want to end up becoming a more kind person, that starts by acting more kind, even if you don't feel that kind, right? You don't, I mean, you know, you know what I'm saying? It's just that, that that is definitely a journey. It really is. The whole thing is a journey in a weird way because like, it always seems like you should know that you're on a journey when you're on one, but you don't. Well, yeah, <laughs> you know what no, I mean. No, that it's it, it's true, but like I don't know. If, I don't mean to keep bringing it back to the same dumb point, but like the there's that phrase, you know, being in a rut. Um, and I think a rut does not have to have a negative connotation because how different is a rut from a groove? We like being in a groove. We don't like being in a rut. Suddenly, I'm a '70s self help guy. Uh, here's what a rut, when I think about a rut though, I have a very clear idea in my mind about what, what a rut is and how it gets caused. I think very specifically of a Conestoga wagon going down a muddy path, not even a road, but like if you're on a Conestoga wagon heading west, you got all your stuff in there, you got this big heavy wagon and these big wheels, those wheels are going to make, um, tracks in that mud. And it's almost like E.O. Wilson's ants. Another Conestoga wagon is going to come behind you and they're going to be going in like roughly the same path that you are. Maybe that mud starts drying up. But pretty soon, you know, a couple dozen of those Conestoga wagons going through there are going to create exactly two lines, roughly. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's, it's going to be a little bit larger than the width of the wheel. But at that point, anybody who goes down that road is going to have a very difficult time not riding in exactly the same tracks that the first series of Conestoga wagons created. And that's what a rut is. Like a rut is when you find yourself not even – finding it impossibly easy to get into this one place uh, and then not being sure that you're even in that, but then realizing you can't get out of it. And that's that's a crummy feeling. But it starts with realizing that you might be in a rut. And in a rut in that negative connotation then starts to mean that like you are – you know. It could be that your life is chaos, but in order to serve your life of chaos, you are now doing things repeatedly by rote that are not making your life better. They're merely serving the thing that you're stressed out about. So when you start having this debtor in your life that is basically the thing, the center, the job, the whatever it is, and everything else gets thrown at that, that's sustainable for a while. I would not want to have 50 years of that. I would be cautious about that. And, you know, because of things like what sunk cost fallacy, as soon as like you are the most invested and stressed out of your job, like maybe some people would feel compelled to quit, but that would cause a lot of people to just want to double down because now you're, you really are invested in that. So yeah. I'm just, I'm just saying have some presence of mind about it. There's nothing wrong with be, having aspirations. There's nothing wrong with wanting things and there's nothing wrong with sacrificing in order to get things. But, but just be careful that you remember how much you're giving away in the service of those things. And, you know, yeah, like I say, every minute weighs the same. That's all. Did you have something else uh, that you liked? Did you yes, want to tell me about? I would love to tell you about Smile. These are some wonderful people who have congregated together to build some pretty cool things. Today, I'll tell you about PDF Pen. It's a Swiss Army knife for pretty much anything that you would ever want to do with PDF stuff. Do so you want to make PDFs? Do you want to rip them apart? 
You want to enter stuff into them? You want to update them? You want to clean them up? You want to OCR stuff? Like making edits, highlighting stuff? We've just been going over this one contract and everything they want to send. They want to do everything in PDF. I'm like, I don't care. That's fine. Send your PDF. I got PDF pen. I'm like, I don't care. I don't need a Word document. I'm going to do it all right here in the PDF. It's genius. It's just genius. You can do things like create something and uh, in Word and it, or in, in the PDF, and it'll export it out to, to Word so that you can edit it. So if somebody does send you something and you're like, oh, we're going to need to break this out and totally redo this whole thing, no big deal. Like you can get at this stuff that used to feel locked up in, in PDF format. It's not locked up anymore. And if you're a fan of like the paperless office, you don't have to like print and fax stuff. You can fill things out. You can sign PDF documents and everything all with PDF pen. They have a special URL to go and check out. It's smilesoftware.com slash B2W. Smilesoftware.com slash B2W. PDF Pen 7 costs $74.95. This is there because you get the 7 and they repeat the 7. It becomes memorable. Ah, that's PDF pretty good. Pen Pro 7 is available, uh, the Pro version of it, for $124.95. And with this, you get interactive PDF forms. You get making PDFs from websites. You can export in Excel and PowerPoint and PDF archive formats. You can OCR stuff. The OCRing is super cool. Both these work perfect with El Capitan and uh, PDF Pen 7. You got to have Yosemite or later. And of course, it works with El Capitan too because they're they're forward-thinking folks over at Small. Smallsoftware.com slash B2W to download a free demo of Text Expander. Check that out while you're there. Go check out PDF Pen. Learn it all. Thank you very much to Smile for supporting Back to Work. Thank you, Smile. I admire their work. Good folks over there. Hmm. Looking at the uh, Wikipedia page for Zentai. Zentai. Familiar with the phenomenon of Zentai. This is where you... It's kind of chocolate. It's a, it's a chocolate-flavored tie. Hmm. Zentai. Oh, uh, I didn't know the name for this, but now that I'm yes. looking at the pictures, I am familiar with it. It's a Japanese thing, and I'm wondering, uh, it's a little, it's, it's, it's like, uh, it's a special thing for some people. It's a fetishy thing. Do you think that's inspired by Ultraman, or was Ultraman inspired by Zentai? Or is um, it not related because Japan? I think in Japan, everything is related. Mm. Oh, that's I a great way to put it. don't know. I think... This is probably after Ultraman. And Interesting. I, have you ever done this? Are you into this? Have I ever, what, done, done a Zentai thing? Yeah. Is this your thing? Yeah, sure. It's my special thing. You kidding me? No, File, I don't know. woman posing in shimmery Zentai.jpg. Yes. Legal limitation, section three. Since Zentai covers one's face, a fine of up to 150 euros is issued to those who wear them publicly in France. Because you Once can't again, cover your face and can't cover can't cover your face in France. Why? It's probably uh, because Muslim. I don't know. Uh, you know, I read a thing. Who sent me? A, somebody sent me a great link. Um, oh shoot, I'm going to butcher this. About how I was describing. I forget what show. I'm on too many shows. But I was talking about how like something. It felt like to me like going to Tokyo, where it's like it seems like it's so like, you get like sensory overload. You know, like yeah. it'd be so crazy to go there, where all you're going to want is come back and have like. American comfort food. Somebody yeah. linked me to something else that I think is called Paris syndrome, which is kind of the opposite of what I was describing. Have you really? heard of Par- no. Paris syndrome? Um, is a transient psychological disorder exhibited by some individuals visiting or vacationing in Paris. 
Uh, it's a big thing with people who are from Japan. Uh, people from Japan in particular visiting Paris, characterized by a number of psychiatric symptoms, such as acute delusional states, hallucinations, feelings of persecution, derealization, depersonalization, anxiety, and psychosomatic manifestations. No kidding. Yeah, yeah, where you're like, you're like overwhelmed by Paris. It's a little bit like, what's that, well, Jerusalem, what's that called, Jerusalem? Oh, Jerusalem syndrome. You know about that one? No. Oh, that's another good one. I'll put well, all these in notes. Yeah, tell me what... Uh, Jerusalem syndrome is a group of mental phenomena involving the presence of either religiously themed obsessive ideas, delusions, or other psychosis-like experiences triggered by a visit to the city of Jerusalem. Wow. Isn't that awesome? My mom went to Jerusalem. Mazel tov. Yeah, she went there and, uh, and then got interrogated for like three hours in a back room of a grocery store. Are you kidding me? The manager, did they, did they think that she stole something? Uh, silly her, she walked in holding her purse. And that clearly was uh, a terrorist act. This was back in the 80s. Sure. And she tried very long and hard to explain to them that she was an American and didn't she, know. She teaches school. She's got, she's got no beef with you. She's got a purse. Yeah. But yeah. finally, they, they like the police were there for a while and they, I guess they uh, authenticated who she was and released her. They take that stuff pretty seriously. Though. Yeah. I mean, back then it was. I think a bad situation, but mm-hmm. yeah, she went back though. Good for her. Like Hyman Roth. Yeah. You got to go, but you always got to go back. He came here to vote in the presidential elections, but That's he'd like it. to go back and live out his life as a Jew. Yeah. <laughs> what I want. You're going to have to um, watch that now, aren't you? Cause Abe. Um, well, uh, I did watch it. Uh, we talked about it on the talk show extensively. A seven-hour version called The Godfather Epic mm. is available on HBO, and it's the entire first two Godfather movies with additional scenes in chronological order. So it starts uh, with uh, the burial of Vito's father, goes up through De Niro, New York. So it's all the scenes of the first two movies in chronological order with additional scenes. I remember I saw a version like that on USA on yeah TV uh, USA used to show ago. it all the time. You'd see it all. I just would come on and be like, oh well, there goes my afternoon. Do you like it like that, or would you prefer it the original? I way? talked about this for a very long time on the talk show this week, but but I will say that it is not a good way to first watch the movie, um, but it's a terrific way for a super super fan to watch the movie. Um, not least because, as we talked about at length on that show, you uh, you get to really appreciate stuff like um, Robert De Niro. His he's so so good, and seeing all of his scenes together. I don't know. Also, the, the the additional scenes are great. Like, there's a scene where Mike personally goes back to Chicago to uh, take care of Fabrizio. Remember the guy, the guy who killed Apollonia? Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah, Apollonia. Yeah, 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 yeah. Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Wednesday. <laughs> Apollonia. Oh my God! I love those movies so much. Yeah, it's really good. It's running on uh, HBO whatever for a while. I think not too, too long. So get it while you can. It, it comes up as one seven-hour movie. Wow. And it's really, really good. The extra scenes, some of them are silly, but some of them are great. There's a scene where Al, scene where, um, where Al I talk about this on the show, where Al Neary goes to uh, visit Klingman at the casino and just beats the crap out of him in his own casino. It's really good. Love Al Neary. Al Neary is my, my, Al Neary's my pick for maybe MVP of those movies. He's a, he's a very important fella. You know that? No, I didn't know that. You did know that. You love these movies, don't you? Yeah, I mean, I enjoyed them. I've I've watched them many many times. I don't think oh, I. I thought you were. I'm sorry. I thought you were a big fan. 
I mean, I'm I'm a I'm a fan. You put me up as as a fan of them. It's just been a long time since I've had the ability to sit down and really watch them. I need to do that again. The last time I think I was on an airplane coming back from your city, probably when I last watched Godfather Two. I realize I'm not as busy as you. I watch TV every night. That's a that's a thing I do. Yeah. I make the time for it. You know, you, you gotta, you well, gotta like have your TV talking. time. It's like what we're talking about. You have to make time for the things that you <laughs> want to do. I'm kind of kidding. I'm, I'm not actually holding it up as a value. I just really like watching TV at night. Um, it's really good. Uh, Al Neary, Al Neary, oh, what does Al Neary not do? Al Neary's involved in everything. He's involved in so many significant moments in the movie. Uh, Al Neary, uh, you know what? I don't want to spoil the movie. Al Neary, for example, does some of the dirty work at the uh, place where Senator Geary is caught. In a bad situation. Oh, yeah. Al Neary is the one who deals with Fredo at the end of Godfather yeah, yep, 2. Yep. Al Neary is the, he's the, he's the one who dresses up like a, sh- a cop to shoot that guy, to shoot, um, uh, not Barzini, but not Salazzo, but Tatalia, I think Tatalia, shoots Tatalia on the, uh, you know, steps outside the courthouse. Oh, yeah. Al Neary. He's ever Al Neary is the one who closes the door at the end of Godfather 1. Mm-hmm. El Neri. Well, someone I did that with. Yeah, but that's such a great piece of production design. You know what? I want to put that in show notes. Go listen to that episode. It's really good. We talked about uh, The Godfather, and we talked about uh, the iPhone jack. iPhone iPhone jack. Yeah. Um, I had some other things. Do you want to talk more about uh, about uh, whatever we were talking about? Like identity and time? and Identity and time. Yes, time. Yes. I don't know. Yes, we can talk about it. I feel like it's such a strange topic because everybody approaches it from such a different perspective with their own uh, values. I mean, I I remember a friend of mine uh, used to tell me, I think I brought it up on this show. He would always tell me, he's like, you know, I just don't want there to be something that I have to do every day. He's like, I don't want to have to do that thing every day. And at the time we were, he was talking. Wait, who who said this? A, a buddy of mine from okay. this All maybe right. like eight years ago, but it really stuck with me because he was like, basically we had worked on a project together and there was a bug that we were trying to track down. And every morning he was the first thing in the morning, once he would start work was going in and I guess reviewing the logs, these ridiculous log files of these processes that ran in the middle of the night. And he he had offered to do it. He's like, well, I could look at the logs in the morning. I'm like, that'd be really great. Thank you for doing that. Cause he knew more about the server side stuff than, than I did. And I guess after a few days of doing this, maybe a week, he was like really pissed off, like out of nowhere. And I'm like, what's wrong? He's like, I just, I've been doing this every morning. This is your project. I really don't like having, I'm like, oh, okay. Like, cool. I'll take over it. He's like, I'm like, I didn't know it was bothering you. He's like, yes, it's bothering me. I'm like, well, you offered to do it and then never said anything about it. So I'm sorry. <laughs> and he's like, he's like, that's true. He's like, uh, you'll do it. I'm like, of course I'll do it. He's like, okay, good, good. I'm like, is it that big of a deal? And he's like, well, I just don't like to have to do something every day. Now, neither of us were parents at the time. Uh, that all sort of changes, but I think that's a very understandable and kind of smart approach. Yeah. Don't well no in the no no I just I don't mean no I agree with you I'm interested in hearing your take. Well, I just mean like for some reason I'm remembering uh, the wonderful show Doctor Katz, a professional therapist, and there's in one of the early episodes uh, he's talking about bingo with his father and he's like he says something like, "Well, dad, dad, it's not that I I don't like bingo. It's just that I I don't want to see bingo on my calendar." (laughs) 
<laughs> I know exactly what he means. Yeah. It's like uh, the more you the, – the, the, the fewer things that you have to do over and over, um, the more runway you've got for doing stuff. Because every little thing you do, it may be a small bullet hole, but it's still a little hole in the day to have to do something every day. Yeah. With that said, if there's something – and you can schedule it at the same time, that's a convenient time, that's, that's a feather in your cap, I think. You know what I mean? Like, um, I don't know. And to me, that goes for stuff like meetings, for sure. It's just that we come to accept meetings as this thing that you got to do because it's a thing we do. And very few people have the temerity to go, should we really be having this meeting? <laughs> or should we really be having it this often? Yeah. Or should we be having this meeting this often without any kind of an agenda or follow-up? Different podcast probably, but I don't know. Yeah, don't he, know. Was, he was just, he was so adamant about it. And I, I took something away from it in that, you know, like different, like for him, he kind of wanted every day to be a little bit different and he'd kind of work on this and he kind of work on- Is your point that he was trying to put work off on you? No, it was, it was that he, his, his, he was, had become for whatever reason, very protective of what his specific obligations were for a given day or a given time period. And I think that's, I think that's so smart. It really was smart. And it's something that kind of stayed with me for a long time after- uh, he and I had had stopped working together. Uh, it was something that I would often think about because at the time I was like, "What's the big deal about?" You know, like who cares? Like mm-hmm. you know, like we have a lot that we have to do every day. Why is that one thing such a big deal? But I feel like it was it it was the one thing that had kind of pushed him past whatever that that limit was of the things that he had to do and. And recently, another one of my wife was telling me that another one of my friends, uh, our mutual friends, like, I guess the, the his wife goes and does something on like Saturdays and or Sunday mornings. And he was he was like, really didn't want her to do it. And it wasn't because he didn't want her to do it. It was because he didn't want to have to wake up early on Saturday mornings to be with the kids while she or Sunday mornings while she was out. Because like he, that was his, that was his morning, you know, Mm -hmm. and we have this concept of the, this sort of, when it comes to time that certain people are, are, can become very possessive of their time or of the things that they want to do. And it occurred to me in thinking about that, that maybe in some ways I should be more of that at least sometimes and say, you know what, like, this is this thing that, that I want to do. And I'm not like a bad person because the thing that I would like to do is watch TV in the evening or you know, have a relaxing morning or have a day where I can choose the things that I want to do. Like you're talking about, like that doesn't really seem unreasonable. Well, yeah. And let me call myself out on something that's really lame that I, that I keep doing. And I, I want to, first of all, call out and point to the fact that I did it. I want to call it out. I don't want to say it's BS and I shouldn't do it. And neither should you people, um, which is there is either an implicit or overt defensiveness Apology, explanation, shame, call it what you want, uh-huh. about not doing something the hard way that everybody else seems to have to do it. Because I think, I mean, there are certain kinds of things where we all have pretty good reasons to be touchy about our privilege because, boy, have we ever sailed by on our privilege for a long time. Yeah. But then there are other kinds of things where we tacitly judge other people and ourselves if they're not doing it the hard way, we feel like we have to do it. 
And so, you know, when I sit here and I go like, you know, Thursdays, I keep Thursdays as open as I can, partly for things like phone calls and podcasts that come up and podcasts and phone calls do come up, but also because I, I want to have a day where I don't have to be anywhere. And even now explaining my explanation of the explanation, you can st- still hear the guilt and the need to defend that in my voice. And like, I wonder what it takes to get to the point where you feel like you don't have to apologize to other people. Because why do we do that? Well, we do that because we feel some certain amount of shame that we're gaming the system somehow, but also that like, we feel like we need to explain to other people why we're doing I need the break or I need this. Why do we feel like we have to explain that? But I feel like I have to explain that. And I bet most of you do as well. Because what are you doing? You're trying to buy yourself some insurance that maybe people will like think well of you if you come up with a good reason why you'd like to have a life. People in Germany, people in Europe would never feel the need to do this. Very rarely to go like, I, you know, like you having to explain why you take two, three, four weeks off for a vacation. That's like pretty SOP, I think, in a lot of Europe. But like we feel the need to like explain to feel shame or to feel um, feel like we're uh, being lazy, and then like to like explain away our reason for wanting to have a life beyond just what we are absolutely required to do. And it really feels like there is this inertia or this gravity toward everybody being pushed into a joyless life of obligation mm-hmm. that they have no choice but to adopt. Like as though they are some kind of an automaton that has no option about how to live. And and if everybody agrees that life is as joyless and as unhopeful as I do, we'll all get along just fine. As long as we don't have some fancy pants coming in here and acting like they have any option to find joy in life because they better have a good explanation for that. Do you, do you feel that? I feel that (laughs) very much. And it's, it's very real. I think in that, like you almost feel guilty if you're not packing your day or your time with things that either are your ob- obligation or for the benefit of somebody else. And not like, oh, woe is me. I never you know, get to do anything for us. That, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it's like I feel like if I just go and do something that doesn't have some kind of very clear, tangible benefit, like, oh, I helped this person who you know is dependent upon me i helped this person do this thing or i did this thing that hopefully will you know be a be a fun business idea or i did this thing because we were out of this other thing and is opposed to i just did this thing because i wanted to do it or because i thought it might relieve my stress you know like we've talked about my progress um like uh fixing my screwed up back and how much time and money it has taken me to get to that point where now things are in, in, in you know, knock wood in the best situation that they've been maybe in, since I was in, in college. And, you know, it's, it's one thing to say, like, I have to do this because if I don't, I'll be in pain and the pain will get worse and my situation will get worse. Like, I have to do this. It seems like you can connect that to a physical condition, if you will, more easily, or I shouldn't say you, I said me, I can connect that more to a physical condition than I can to like a state of mind. Like you were saying, like, like John was saying with his emotional uh, reservoir, I think that's a wonderful way to say it. And like, you need to do that for yourself too, as a human being to give yourself that kind of outlet or that kind of thing. And when we're in our 20s and we don't have any kids, it seems like there's a lot of time for those independent individual pursuits. And then later, uh, things get more uh, 
your time kind of gets more conflicted. There's so much more that you, you have to do. And I don't know. I feel like, I feel like that's something I definitely need to do. But whenever I do that, I feel like, uh, like guilty about it somehow. Like, well, I should yeah. be working or I should be doing this or I should be doing that. <clears throat> Excuse me. Everything you're describing there is, is rational uh, and true. And I think you're describing a real thing. But I mean, when we talk about that, what you're describing there, and I think that's a true situation that you're describing, not a happy situation, but a true situation, <clears throat> that comes somewhat understandably. It's a distortion of the Protestant American work ethic in some ways. So what you're describing there is like there are people out there who think that who feel that everything you do should be in the service of something that is efficient, effective, productive, good, right? right. So, but but you know, to me, that's. That's even a little bit understandable. The, there is a more irrational thing that I'm talking about, though, which is not just I. Here's how I want to spend my time. The way I want to spend my time is spending every minute of the day filled to the brim with 100% effectiveness to to make stuff happen and do things. And I never want to have a wasted moment in my life. There's something actually kind of like nice about that. Mm-hmm. If that's how somebody wants to roll, I think that's good for you. <laughs> if you can do it, that's great. And it's making you happy. That's a good way to roll. I'm talking about something darker though. I'm talking about something much darker. Mm. I'm talking about a much deeper and uglier jealousy or envy or schadenfreude or whatever you want to call right. it, which is something more about like, oh no, 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 no. Everybody out, see, oh no, no. Everybody out there but me is a fraud. My life is the way it is because it's the way it is and everybody else out there is a poser. And if you have not found something to cause you to be as impossibly miserable as I am, you're a worse person than I am. If you have not, it's not just that you want to go take time to go fix your back or whatever. But like, it's also that like, like I have really gotten to where I am in life by allowing everything to slide into where everything is a hopeless slog that I can't get out of. And if you don't have that, or you don't want that, you're not working as hard as me. You're not, you're not suffering on the molecular level that I am. And the problem is like any, any clinician that listened to somebody talk like that would go, well, this person, I, they should have someone they can talk to about that because that's clinical. I mean, that's probably at least some garden variety depression all the way down to just a little bit of sociopathy or psycho psychopathic thinking. Uh, and yet, boy, isn't that a, isn't that a, a yardstick that we will happily hold up against ourselves. Imagining that dumbass person talking like that and judging our own lives to think about like what we're allowed to do. Are you allowed to go in 15 or 20 minutes late today because you'd like to drop your kid off, come back home, have a cup of coffee and be a person for a few minutes? Yeah. You better not because that's that voice that's going to pop up and tell you what a dick you are because you have not found a way to be as unhappy as they are yet. And so you are the inferior person here. I don't know. I don't know if that person exists, but I feel like they exist. And I know I can call that voice up in my head very easily to make myself feel very small mm-hmm. about what it is that I'd like to do that seems incredibly selfish. So uh, I think that's a voice to watch for because I think it's out there. If you, can, if you can actually let that voice talk you into like being less healthy, like who are you trying to impress? Like, and what could you possibly do to make the person behind that voice happy? There, I don't think you can. No, I don't think you can. But I do feel like it's out there. I feel like it's a thing. Nattering nabobs of negativism. I just um, I want to get I want to get to that point where and I, I guess I've always been telling myself that like, well, once I get this project done, or once I get this going the way it needs to, or once I transition this off, or one you know, whatever it is, whatever that next step 
seems to be there always seems to be another one following it that that it has been the thing that's been holding up the process somehow i don't know if that makes sense it does i'm looking for the um to get the exact reading of the final line from one of my favorite short stories a good man is hard to find um by flannery o'connor read that i'll, I'll tell us about our last sponsor okay it is our friends over at fresh books i love fresh books if you're a freelancer if you're a small business owner using fresh books is going to make you have such a better life we're talking about having a better life i feel like today in some ways they make creating invoices tracking time tracking receipts all of this stuff that so few of us really enjoy doing but it's such an important part of being a freelancer or, or running a business they make it all so much easier they make it simple and what i mean by simple is that it takes 30 seconds or less to create and send an invoice and send it in such a way that you will know when the recipient has opened it. You'll know when they've looked at it. You can even accept payments through it. I mean, all of this stuff that creates such a headache for you of like, oh, how am I going to do it? And did I send that one? Is it there in the email? And did they get it? They said they didn't get it yet. Or they say that, no, all of that stuff goes away because it all happens right inside the FreshBooks app. Their website is amazing. It's super, super easy to use. They've got great support. They've got apps to go along with it. You can customize all this stuff. You can put your logo on it, pick your color scheme. I mean, all the stuff that that you're going to need to do to have that professional look and make your business legit, not seem legit, but be legit. Uh, I mean, you could do even these little details. They've thought of everything. Like if you need to have this invoice go to multiple people, it'll do that for you automatically. If you need to have like a print version of the, the invoice physically mailed, they can do that. They have thought of everything. And the mobile app, you can do things like take pictures of your receipts and it'll, it'll, you tell the app which client it is and what category it belongs in and boom, the expenses just go and get organized. I mean, imagine the time savings later on at tax time when you have to go through all those invoices. Now they're just there in a system. Really great stuff. You can preview. I mean, you name it. I'm just looking at this long list of, of stuff that they do, stuff I don't even know about and use even though I use this every single day. Well, go check it out. Freshbooks.com slash back to work. Freshbooks.com slash back to work and enter back to work in the how did you hear about us section and uh, this show will receive credit for that and that'll let them know that you listened and that you love us and that uh, you're headed toward a better business future. They're going to have to run with that. Thanks very much to Freshbooks. Freshbooks.com slash back to work. Go check them out. Freshbooks. 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 Uh, I got a lot of follow up. We don't have time for. Uh, yeah. We're running a little, lo- little long. We're running a little, a little long. A little, little long. A little long. A uh, good man is hard to find. Um, but I, yeah, I hate to spoil the story. It's a really good story. Did you ever read it? I feel like I read it. Is it one of those things I would have been assigned in in a college English lit in college class? in a short fiction class? You have read probably a good man is uh, hard to find. You might have read everything that rises must converge. You might have read uh, some of her other. You might have read Pale Fire. Uh, but I, I just love this scene. Well, I'll spoil it for you. Sorry. Spoiler alert on a 50, 60 year old short story. Is this story. one with the elephant? Oh, uh, the, the, the Hills, Hemingway? Hills like Hemingway? White? Yeah, I think that it's one. Hemingway. Yeah, Hills Like White Elephants. That's the abortion one, right? Yeah, is that the same thing? No spoilers. Nope. Nope. So uh, these two guys, uh, they've committed a crime and they're killing this family. This is very crazy stuff in the 1950s. 
And uh, and this woman, this this uh, this this older woman, this grandmother type, who's very judgmental and she's an awful person. Uh, they shoot her and they kill her. And uh, and at the end, she's she's pleading for her life and saying, like, I can tell that you're a good man. You, I can tell that you know your 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 family loves you. And he just he just flat out murders her, kills her because he's a horrible man whose name is the misfit. Mm. Without his glasses, the misfit's eyes were red rimmed and pale and defenseless looking. Take her off and throw her where you've shown the others, he said, picking up the cat that was rubbing itself against its leg. She was a talker, wasn't she? Bobby Lee said, sliding down the ditch with a yodel. She would have been a good woman, the misfit said, if it had been somebody there to shoot her every minute of her life. Mm. There's more. But that's the line. She'd wow. have been a good woman if it had been somebody there to shoot her every minute of her life. Um, she suddenly became very, very kind and very, very full of interest in other people when she was about to die. And I think that's the same for a lot of us. Yeah. Not that we're going to be murdered, but like if you get pushed right up to the edge and you end up in the hospital with a heart attack, well, your life would have been really good if you'd spent that much attention every minute that you were having a heart attack. But it isn't until you have that, that you get dragged back into reality and the humility of realizing like, you know, that's that life is a thing, <laughs> you know? Uh, that would have been better if I read it before you did the break, but uh, but I think it'll still work. No, it still works. I don't know. There There is, you know, like my boy came up to me the other day and, you know, he says one of these things that like I think a lot of kids say is like, I, you know, he's talking to, to me and my wife. And he's like, I, I just I love you guys so much. Like, I think I just, I don't think I'm ever going to move out. I don't think I'm ever going to. I think I'm just going to live at home forever. Why would I want to leave? You know, like what, what, what is there in the world that I wouldn't want? This is, this is like the most fun place to be, you know, you're the best people, you know? And, uh, my wife's like, you know, you, you may not always feel that way and it's okay if you don't, but we're glad you feel that way now. But you know, it's, it's like those kinds of moments, like they're the best, you know? And, and it's funny because like sometimes, you know, you think of, oh, there's all this stuff that I've got to do. And, to them, it's like, oh man, there's all this stuff I'm going to do, you know, it's, it's, they just, they have this different, fresh kind of perspective on everything. Mm-hmm. It's kind of nice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Mine just, mine just uh, throws me out of her room now. She's, oh, she's grown up Of a lot. her room? Oh yeah, you yeah. You can't she go puts, in her room anymore? Well, sometimes she, she has a series of different signs she puts up to let us know if anybody's allowed in there. A sign on the door, she's in the room alone, the door's shut? Yeah, she has, she has, she has, she's made I one. I wish like, I could get either of my kids in their own room for 10 minutes. You are really, you are really put upon. They do they not They just want, won't leave you alone, will they? I love them, but sure. like, I wouldn't mind five minutes once in a, once a weekend. How about once a weekend? Give me five. It's the, it's the Chinese, not to be ping pong, but it's the Chinese water torture part for me where it's like, I would love to spend two straight hours paying attention to my kid and then have 30 minutes to do something. Yeah. My problem is that my attention is so addled by about six thirty or seven, like right when she's you know kind of ramping up the pre bedtime spazziness, <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, honey, I love you, but I can't keep coming into the other room to look at another Lego brick you put on. Like I need, I need to go focus on something for a little while. But then I catch myself and I go, and then she wants to be a kitty cat and be petted, and I go, you know what? I should pet that kitty cat. Yeah, because you know, pretty soon that kitty cat's gonna have an, a a. Uh, Sign on her room that says, <laughs> no dads allowed. And the cat's in the cradle in the water, dude. <laughs> the chicka-taka-boo, man, the moon. 
All right. Well, I got lots of other stuff. We got, uh, I should talk about Ungainly X-Man coming up. We've got, I got, we have so much good feedback from people. Oh, the emails have been really wonderful. Thanks to listener Alex, listener David, listener Jim, listener Eric. I feel like the romper room lady looking through my mirror. <laughs> You're lucky. You got the kind of name where the romper room lady probably saw you. Oh, she saw me for sure. Yeah, right through it. Oh, you're so lucky. The romper, romper room lady never saw me. <laughs> they would have thought they, they were being messed with, I think. I see David, and I see Michael, and I see Susan, and I see Marlon Dean Man the Third. Ah! <laughs> Calls coming from inside the romper room. Uh, okay, uh, let's button this up. I love you. I love you too, Marlon Man. 